Hello, I'm Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and podcaster. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up, and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast or to find out more about me, just head on over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 33 of Jumpstart Your Joy. Today's episode is a special solo cast by me, and I'm super excited to get to it. I also have some great news. Jumpstart Your Joy is now on Google Play Music. There's a link to this in the show notes. Google Play Music just launched this week, and I'm super excited that this podcast gets to be a part of the initial launch. If you would like to follow along with the show notes for this episode, just jump over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 33, and you'll get all the links and the notes about everything that I'll be talking about today. The other thing that I'm offering with this episode, so if you go over to the site, jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 33, you can sign up to receive a link to the video for this entire episode, and there are three worksheets that go with it. And you will be able to sign up for full access, including all those freebies and bonuses. Today's solo cast is about what happens when joy meets purpose. It's informed by some of the learnings that I've had from the last seven months, uh, especially of the last month or so when I've gotten to talk to Diane Polly, Emily Wapnick, Chris Gillibo, and upcoming is Laura Sims next week weaving some of their information along with some reading that I've been doing um, with Brene Brown and some others, I came together with this framework. So you will get three ways to find your purpose. This is based on my own work and my my own observations and five, five ways to keep joy and purpose engaged in your life. Because I think once we find those things, it is a dance to keep them alive and well in our lives. So without further ado, here I am talking about what happens when joy meets purpose. I'm really excited to present this material to you. Uh, Over the last seven months, I have been the host of the podcast, Jumpstart Your Joy, and been talking to guests about what brings them joy, what brought them joy as children, and then asking my my classic ending question, which is, what are three ways you can think to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, and in other people's lives? So in looking at all of that, I came up with this framework, as I will call it, about what happens when joy meets purpose. In the search to figure out what it looks like when joy meets purpose, thing, this isn't something that we can solve in an hour. I've been really fascinated by where joy takes us how we get to joy and the role that joy has in our lives. And that curiosity has grown stronger since I started the podcast. Joy is really an enigma. We know what it feels like and we know what it looks like in other people. My theory on joy is this. It ebbs and flows. If we're lucky or mindful or a collection of both, we know that we have joyful moments And we know that we can feel joy when we are in those moments. We also recognize that we have moments and seasons of time in our life where we feel utterly disconnected and far from joy. So if you're like me, you may have a few snapshots you can recall. And I'm a visual processor, a visual learner. You might have, you might have an auditory memory, um, 
you might, I don't know, you might process differently. It might be about feelings and a feeling that you felt in a time. So, but visually, these snapshots in my mind are like a postcard. And it's of moments that I felt truly aligned. One of these snapshots is three days before my 18th birthday. So we're taking it back a little while. Um, And I was sitting on the bumper of my 1975 VW Bug, which was, of course, yellow, because that's my my favorite color still. Um, And I was surrounded by my friends in the Berkeley Hills. I live in Northern California, and we were up in the hills above UC Berkeley, above the Cal Stadium. Uh, And we'd gone up there after going to dinner for my birthday to take in the view and just look out across the bay towards San Francisco, as you can see in these pictures, (laughs) although these are not of us. (laughs) And from below us in the stadium, we could hear Paul McCartney playing. And that wasn't planned. That was just the universe giving everyone a gift. And I closed my eyes in that moment and thought, this feels feels as close to connection and as close to, I don't even know, joy, I guess, as it could. But it was still so special. And I can see the view. It kind of looks like the one in this picture out in front of us. And I can sense that moment. Um, I never wanted to forget it. And so I closed my eyes and soaked it in. There are other times in our lives when we get pulled far, far away from joy. It could be because we get too busy, or it could be because something difficult happens to us or someone really close to us. Um, But we get pulled out of the now. We get pulled away from what feels like purpose, and we get stuck in our own thinking. We get stuck in fear, and we find ourselves feeling disconnected, separate, and other. I'd like to introduce to you what I am starting to call the joy trajectory. I feel like this graph represents the ebb and flow of joy that we have just talked about. You can see in this first purple dot, there's an ebb point, right? A place where you go down a little bit in your joy. And then you then you come back up. I think that these little bitty wavy lines are where you're dancing in probably a normal realm, where you're feeling content. You're feeling like things are, you know, the boat is not rocking too much. When you get down over farther on the right here, um, I might liken this to the time when I had a divorce, my first marriage. I feel like that first in the in the in the U shape there, that the first purple dot is the time when I realized I was bottoming out and realized that things were really hard and I felt super disconnected. And I will say that that second dot to the right of it is probably once the time to- once the time had come that I said I wanted to be I needed to be out of the relationship itself. So I was on the rise. It's hard. I think we hit a bottom out and then we start to feel so disconnected that it's hard to take action. And that is one of the things that lulls you into feeling, you know, the the fear or the shame or the other will will lull you down. Now, there are about one million other things that this webinar could talk about. Since this is just an hour, (laughs) I want to make sure that we... We talk about how the joy trajectory also focuses on the way in that moment where the person decides to fight their way out of the spiral. Um, And that part fascinates me because I've been through it both in that divorce. um, When my son was born, I had a really difficult time. He was in the hospital. We didn't take him home with us. Um, And that night was surely one of those things where I was bottoming down far. (laughs) Um, So I feel like 
the, the, the higher point. The birthday moment, if you will call it that, that time out on the hill, when we're looking out across the bay, the birthday moment, they are way up high. And if we fill in some words around joy, joy feels like connected, living in integrity, being intentional with my values, free, easeful, making time for myself, finding flow, which is a word that Chris Guillebeau uses in his book, his latest book, and feeling now the other purpose. harder times, which I don't really want to call low because it's really just a time when you're in fear. It's just you're not in joy. It's a different state. And I think we get into a tough spot when we're playing the comparative game of low and high. Um, but if we look at the words that we describe the state of, of the harder times, of the times in fear, it'd be disconnected separate, other, alone, all up in my head, stuck, stressed, burnt out. And of course I have been there a few times. I get it. I also love that if you if you look at the book uh, by Brene Brown, Rising Strong, she talks about that, that dipping out point as being a face down in the arena moment, which I think is so powerful because yes, it does feel like you're as far down as you can be. And it does take a lot of courage to rise out of that because, yeah, it feels like all eyes are on you. It feels like it's weighty. It feels like it's public um, at least some of the time. So I want to introduce you to what I have started to call, and this is brand new as well. This is my own word, your inner joy advocate. So what is that tiny voice in your head or in my head that wakes up when I realize that I'm I'm in the dip. I'm face down in the arena. What is the voice in my head that says, fight? There's more in you. Don't give up. And I'm going to be totally transparent. That moment was really has been really real a couple of times in my life where I feel like, yeah, I could go further into this fear. I could go further into this doubt. It's happened around my son or the birth of my son. Not my son. I love him very much. It happened, it's happened around my job in the past when I have felt stuck and so stuck that I couldn't find a way out. Um, and, you, and you spiral into the fear. And so what's that voice that says, fight, there's more here. Don't give in to this, this spiral. It's waking up, it's kicking in, and this voice is ready to do its job. And that's what I'm calling your inner joy advocate. I think it's right there, right at the crossroads when courage kicks in. And I think the courage is the heart's longing for joy, for connection. And it's right in that moment when you decide, I'm going to fight. It might not even be a knowing that you've decided to fight. It might just be that sense that I've got to reach out for help. I want to feel connected. I want to try something else and I'm sending out my resume. Those things that moment, that could be the courage. That is the courage that could lead you out. So I think it's that voice that says, hey, remember how we used to want to do this with our life? Remember how we used to feel happy when we did this? Remember? And sometimes it's going back in time. Sometimes it's a fight that's in the moment of, hey, I think I might like to try this or that. Um, it's right there when you dig yourself out and you make a choice. 
and. That's where Henry Nouwen's quote, that joy is a choice and we must keep on choosing it. I feel like that is also in that inner joy advocate moment where you're like, I want more. I know there's more and I just need to figure out how to get there. A couple other quotes that I really love about, I think what this moment and that struggle is all about. One is from Maya Angelou. It's, you may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. Another one that I really like is by Randy Pouch, and he wrote the last lecture. And it is, we cannot control the hand that is dealt to us, but we can control how we play the cards. Let's talk about courage for a minute. Um, the, old, the root of this word, the old Latin word is coraggio, and it means with heart. So I believe that your inner joy advocate is acting out of love. And I adore what Meg Cabot, which is the author, she's the author of The Princess Diaries, yes. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something is more important than fear. And as I now see it, that inner joy advocate has decided, it has, it has engaged your heart, the inner joy advocate has engaged your heart, and it has said, hey, Something is more important than this fear, and it is love. This is deep. It is love. Your inner joy advocate has decided that love, either for yourself, for someone else, that that is more important than the fear that you feel. And that's when you wake up. And that's when you fight. And that is amazing. So... That's the lay of the landscape and the joy trajectory and how your inner joy advocate acts in tandem. Another word that I will say or another bit that I'll say about this, I fully believe that the inner joy advocate is the complement to your inner critic. So if that's some if that's someone you've been in touch with, if that's a voice and that's that's the voices that come from deep within that are probably yelling, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough. You can't do this. Who are you? You don't deserve this. I think the inner joy advocate meets that voice with the compliment of inner critic coming from place of fear, inner joy advocate coming from place of love. And so in the middle there, that's where you see that the little wavy line. If we look back at the joy trajectory, that's where that is. They're in alignment. Yeah, they're, they're evening each other out. They might have strong words sometimes, but you can listen to them and ask what their wisdom is. So let's jump on and move on to what is purpose. I've recently been defining it as living, as living a value-centered life, one that is authentic and one that is in integrity. In living this way, you find contentment. If we go back to the joy. joy trajectory, I would say that this the little space where the lines are close, kind of in the middle, where you're feeling balance, you're feeling harmony, that that is contentment. So that, that's my language for it. If we go back and look at the definition here, too, about integrity, integrity can be a trigger for some people. I would define integrity as being where your words and your actions match your intentions for yourself. So if you've done your own values exercise, this is where integrity comes into play. It's your words and actions matching your intentions. So how do we find our purpose? That's a hard one, right? 
I've got three ways. So let's dig in. The first one would be to dig into the past when things felt purposeful or connected. So let's, let's look back at the inner advocate. Other people might call your inner joy advocate your higher self, but this is the part of you that knows and really knows what's going on. Wayne Dyer would have said that this is the part of you that is connected to source or part of the universe or has that direct line. I would suggest that you get quiet. You remember a time when you felt like you were in flow, so things were, were going easy. <laughs> you felt like you were on purpose and that you were doing something extremely that felt extremely connected. It might be your version of what I described as a birthday moment, and I want you to go there. Just sit with your eyes closed and ask your inner joy advocate, who is there and present in that birthday moment, what they would like to do. Here are some other questions. What are we here to do? What are some of the problems here in the world that interest us? What have we encountered that we want to solve, assist with, or help? What would make a difference to us? Have we had to overcome something to be in this birthday moment? And inner joy advocate, what brings us The other thing I will say about these questions, I'm betting if you are like me, you have several of those what I call birthday moments. Another one would be a wedding moment for me. Another one, um, there have been many with my son where it's like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome, right? So if you can think of yourself and your inner joy advocate in those moments, this would be a great writing exercise. You know, hit pause. (laughs) Ask those questions of your inner joy advocate in each of those moments. And I think you'll find out a lot about what your purpose looks like. So once you've gotten clear on the patterns and gotten in touch with what feels in your heart that you were brought here to do, then it's really time to take action and ask yourself, of these things, of these patterns that I see, which of these is something that I want to commit to doing in the next week, in the next month, whatever. For me, when I did this exercise, and you could, there's a whole worksheet about this. Um, it's what, what lights you up, and I'll link to that too. For me, what, what came out was that I wanted to do acting. I don't know why it was that, but I missed it and I loved it and it did help me find more of what felt joyful and more of what felt on purpose. And I want to be super clear that purpose doesn't always have to be your life's work. It doesn't have to be your job. It could be something that you're doing on the side that feels really in tune with what you're here to do. So the second one of how to find purpose or how to find your own purpose is to look at a time when things felt really disconnected. When I was looking at the patterns here ahead of, um, ahead of speaking to you, I realized that there is something about our past that may unlock what our purpose really is and what we are drawn to do. Some of this, admittedly, came from the work of Diane Pauly, and I will link, or I'll put out, I'll put out a link for how you can get to that episode. Um, and I've also heard this, this idea recently phrased as, 
were meant to teach our own transformation. So however we got here and the road that it took from getting to a place of feeling totally disconnected to this new place where we feel, where we want to feel more on purpose. So that transformation, getting to A to B, or I think I've also seen it all over Instagram saying, make your mess your message. Make your mess your message. So it seems like a pattern. And when I went back to look at my own guests who graciously shared their own stories, um, I did find, uh, in fact, a pattern. So Mary McCarthy, in episode 32, wanted to find a way to help seniors have have more connection in their lives after noticing the isolation that her own grandmother felt as she got older. If you want to go back and listen, you'll hear her talk about how visiting her grandmother became this thing where it was, they'd run out of things to say. And so she knew in her heart that providing art and poems and questions might make it easier and have, uh, have them have something new to talk about. So that was her transformation, and she created a company out of it. Danny Wood lost his mother to cancer, and through the memory of his mother, created a foundation to help breast cancer patients. Uh, that interview... Uh, and here's what he had to say. And I learned there's this lyric in the sound in the song, hold on. You've got to remember what we've gained. And it's kind of like through loss and tragedy, you can sometimes gain beautiful things. And so he was understanding that this thing that had happened to him was earth shattering. He felt disconnected in the past over it. And he wanted to bring forth something that would help people, other people that were going through and there the same journey in that course he's also a rock star (laughs) and has other things going on but that was something that meant that makes him feel on purpose um and the and the list continues michelle ward after acting was no longer a fit for her career she became the when i grew up grow up coach out of realizing that she could be the coach she needed for herself in the past again disconnected to connected amy avazade shared um very movingly about her mother crying after having lost um, lost some pregnancies. And while Amy always knew that she wanted to become a doctor, she also recognized that there was that pain that she saw her mother going through, and she wanted to make that some of her life's work. So I think it's really beautiful, and it was it is very moving at many levels to notice that these people were all drawn to something that was a deep, core, difficult time, not even a moment, but a difficult time where they saw something where they wanted to heal. They wanted to heal a relationship. They wanted to heal, in many of these cases, it's their own mother, their own life. It's beautiful. It's so core. So I'm not saying we go through hard things just so that we have a reason to be, but I am saying that if you go back and look, you might see that there is something in a past difficult time where you felt very disconnected, and now you're on the other side of it. You could teach how you or provide support around how you made your own transformation um, because you've been there and you know that you want to help those people. And it's something that you are now prepared to teach, share, and amplify. The next way, number three, is to follow the muses of creativity and intuition. Matt Wood, who is the voice of General Grievous, falls into this category. He followed his own creativity and took classes because he was curious about acting. 
And so he took an entire summer worth of acting classes after being in a sound editor. And then intuitively, he already knew because of that experience what George Lucas was looking for when he was looking to cast the voice of General Grievous. You have to go back and listen because I love this story so much. He put his name, I mean, he put his voice in under a pseudonym because he didn't know if he would get it. Um, But both the creativity and the intuition kicked in. George heard it, and he is now the voice of General Grievous, which is amazing. Emily Wapnick is also another person that followed creativity and intuition, knowing that she liked so many things. That's kind of her her thing, is that she is a multi-potentialite, multi-passionate, a renaissance soul. Um, And so she made a business out of her strengths. Instead of saying, oh, I always quit everything. I can't find a focus. She just said, why isn't the focus that I do love so many things? And I don't have to choose just one. And so in making that choice, she created Putty Like, which is an amazing site, which is all about that kind of a personality and that kind of a person, which is the kind of person that doesn't want to have to choose just one thing to do with their life. And I find these things super interesting and motivational. I would say that my story also falls under that. That going back to wanting to find out more about acting, then there's a daisy chain of events. Acting to improv, retreat leading, coaching. They all tie together. And it is a daisy chain of events that start to make more sense. But you have to take the first step. The next thing I want to touch on is about us being storytellers. I think at the heart of things, we love stories and we really love resolution. When there's a problem, we want it to be solved. When someone's unhappy, we want them to become happy. We want to make right. If we want to believe in love wrong. and happy endings. And in looking further, I think our inner joy advocate also wants that for us. The inner joy advocate has the courage to dream, to love, to believe, and to go all in with our heart. Even when it seems scary, even when it seems like the most improbable choice, that inner joy advocate is the one that stands up. So part of our process is what I'm seeing is the part of the process is creating closure for ourselves. It's closing out the story. Meaning if something was hard, um, we want to make it right for ourselves. The inner joy advocate helps us get there helps us talk maybe to the inner critic and say, look, this is why I want this thing so bad and why it matters, so let's go do it. Part of the closure is also and often sharing what we've learned to help others and to help ourselves. We want to make sense of the patterns that we see in our lives, and we want to find out where we fit. And more importantly, I think we want to be there for others as we see them going through the difficult things that we went through in the past, knowing that we've already been through the loneliness and the aloneness and the separateness. And I think much of what we try and do is reach out to somebody else and say, I've been there. I see you. I can at least sit with you through it, or I could teach you what I learned in those moments. You don't have to be alone as well. I love what John Gottschall, who is an author, has to say about this, about this storytelling and this addiction to story that we have, which is we are, as a species, addicted to story. Even when the body goes to sleep, the mind stays up all night telling stories. 
to itself. So next, awesome? the, the paradox of purpose. And this might be something, a little bit of unlearning that around something you may have already been taught through school or somewhere else in a job. But the paradox around purpose is that we have to let go. I've said here that your purpose is not a project, which if you know me, <laughs> I've been a project manager for 17 years. And I think there is a strong desire for people to make things a project, make it a deliverable, make it a goal. We get there. We don't engage our heart or our inner joy advocate. We don't look at it from the eyes of love. And so it becomes very devoid of emotion. But I would argue that by letting go, by getting curious, by digging in and being okay, spending Meaning time if with you go back and see up, that your transformation was something and you dig into it, there's not a project plan in the world that could tell you where you're going to be led with that discovery, right? When I went back and did acting and improv, I had no idea where that was going to go. The letting go was, let's see where, what happens. Let's see what happens. And Matt Wood's story would be the same. Um, let's go see what happens when I take this acting class. Both of them happen to be from the same place even. So go to ACT if you can. But it's that, that you have to let go enough to feel comfortable and open up to the what if. Um, and then in turn, dealing with the fears and the love and the excitement. But you can't get to purpose by controlling it. And knowing from your heart that you can't control growth. You can't always unlock purpose at age 19 and know what your purpose is for the rest of your life. It will change. And you will change. And it will morph because you have new experiences. And you may be teaching your transformation now, but you could intuitively change and start over at some point and say, hey, I wish I'd gone with that passion. So... Even though you're mindful of how the joy trajectory works, you might have a life event that would change where fear is, change you, where fear would be driving the bus again, right? So just because things are on a level ground right now doesn't mean that you couldn't have an event in your life that is difficult and that puts you in a state of fear again. It happens. It happens because our story, our lives is not, are not static or stagnant. And it happens because we can't ultimately control our life. So how do we stay the course? I found this quote by Corey Keyes. And while it doesn't seem to quite fit, I think that it <laughs> adds some insight. Intention without contribution is blind. Contribution without intention is impotent. What does it mean? <laughs> to me, it meant that without knowing both sides of something and using them in tandem we are not really getting the whole picture. So purpose and joy, intention and contribution, all of these things need to be integrated together. And that's where we get the most, the most growth, the most stability. So I, I figured that I wouldn't really be doing my life coaching best. <laughs> I wouldn't really be sharing my own transformation or following my ENFJ teacher's heart if I didn't help you out with some other thoughts on how do you get to this place where purpose and joy meet. So here are some ideas. First, decide to sparkle every day. Now, <laughs> that one also got Dr. Amy Avazade. And uh, when I brought it up to Mary McCarthy, I loved what she said about it and that 
and this is this is her quote the sparkle is what brings the joy the sparkle is communicating to other people that you're happy and content you can just be content and no one knows you're joyous but joy implies that you're actually showing it and you're communicating that to other people so what does it mean to sparkle every day it means to choose to show up and be joyful it sh- means to choose to connect with other people and shine your own light, your inner light, and show it to them. It means being connected to your inner joy advocate and listening to them. I think there's a lot of sparkle in that. (laughs) And so it seems naive, and I loved what Amy said about this. It seems like it's this really simplistic task, but it's not. It's hard, especially if you're feeling down or bored or burnt out or stressed. It's hard to show up and put on And it's not a put on, but to feel joy and to be in touch with what would bring others joy. Because the opposite of that is remaining in the fear and closing down and continuing to disconnect from someone. And instead, I'm suggesting that you choose to sparkle. You choose joy every day. The second one that I would suggest is listing out five or seven or ten things that you personally need every day to feel centered. I love this exercise. It might be that you need eight hours of sleep. It might mean that you need to take a shower every day or go on a walk by yourself or you need time to write. You have to make sure you have three meals and comfy socks. I don't know what it is for you. Some of those are mine. (laughs) You get to decide, but I want you to write them down and then check in to see if you're doing them every day. If you're not, maybe you'd notice that you start to slide out of feeling on purpose and like you're out of joy. But I think if you are delivering on them, it makes everything else at least a little bit easier. For example, if you're sleeping, the amount you need to sleep every night, it's easier to deal with everything else. Here's a project management tool for number three that can be used to keep you on track. If you notice things are feeling wonky, (laughs) Or if you know that you've gone through a big change and it feels like the equilibrium of your life has has gone off track. Um, It lets you look at what's working, what's not, and what do I want to keep on doing. It's called Stop, Start, Continue. So get out your paper. You write something that you want to stop doing because you've had enough of it with yourself. You want to write something that you want to start doing next and then something to continue, something that's working well. And you just do that again and again and again until you've listed out everything you want to stop, start, and continue. And then make an action plan around it. Number four, remember your own precious moments or your own birthday moments. Get in touch with those times that felt right. When you had a sense that joy was very present. I want you to write down the the details. Who was there? What were you doing? What were they doing? What else was going on in your life when that thing felt so Um, right? Go back to that moment in time if you need to. And mine, you know, dig out that, uh, dig out that moment in time whenever you need it. So if it's that you're having a hard day and nothing seems to be right, go back to it. You can visualize it. You can take a step out of the office and go think about that time. What was working? What do I need to change now? How can I get back to feeling on purpose? How can I engage with joy? What is my inner joy advocate saying in this moment? 
The other thing, the number five that I would suggest is do a values exercise and start working to live those values day to day. So if you haven't done this before, I can also link up to a little values sheet where you look at the things that matter most to you um, and then intentionally choose to live those every day. And it makes a big difference. When joy meets purpose, it truly is a dam. Joy and purpose ultimately feed off of each other and they spur each other on. In general, you can find your purpose by choosing to follow something that brings you joy. And when you're living a purpose-driven life, it's the joyful moments and sense of contentment that is the reward. So if you look again at the joy trajectory, you can see the points where you choose to, to engage or your inner joy advocate engages with you. And it brings you back to purpose. And when you're already on purpose, you engage and dance with joy. That is the dance, and that is the joy trajectory. So, a favorite poem of mine uh, from when I was very, very young by Victor Hugo. Be like the bird who, halting in his flight on limb too slight, feels it give way beneath him, yet sings, knowing he hath wings. If you liked what you heard, <laughs> there's good news. <laughs> um, I would love to work with you. If this is something that you are feeling motivated by, that you are knowing you have your own change, that you feel like you've already made the decision or want to make the decision on that joy trajectory to get back to purpose, to get back to where you feel content. Um, if you want to start to discover who your inner joy advocate is or your inner critic is and have those discussions with them, Ask them what they want. Figure out what your purpose is. I have a link here. It's um, it's for a 30-minute consult call. I would love to talk to you about unlocking your joy and meeting your inner joy advocate. Thanks, you guys, so much for stopping by for this episode. If you're curious about spending more time with your inner joy advocate or looking at your own joy trajectory, I would love to work with you. If you go over to the site, you can find out more. And if you like what you hear, I would also love to have you subscribe or leave a review over on iTunes or Stitcher. Those are the other places to find us. Although I love it if you come back each week to the site as well. And next week on the podcast, I have career coach Laura Sims. And we have a great conversation about how to find work that feels like home. And I think you'll just love what she has to say. So come on back. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.